0: Coaches, welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Sylvester. As always, I've got producer JP Gale by my side, and today we're joined by the wide receiver whisperer, Matt Harmon of NFL.com, to talk about Week Ten rankings. Hey, Matt, thanks for coming on.
1: Hey, man, it's good to be back on here. I know we did this once during the uh, during the preseason and everything, but now now we've got a lot more uh, a lot more time to digest and understand, try to understand what's going on. So uh,
0: it's good to talk to you guys today. You know, I think we know a lot more than we knew in the preseason, which really isn't saying much, Um, but, uh, you know, um, we spend a lot of time doing this, and if you just get a little bit closer to correct um, than the status quo, that's what's really important. It boils down to uh, those couple of inches in fantasy football, and, um, you know, that's why we do this. We want to help everyone win.
1: Oh, no doubt about it. Let's, let's, Let's hope we can help some people this week.
0: So, Matt, I'm a huge fan of your reception perception work. Can you explain to our listeners what this is that you've built? Because it, it really is phenomenal.
1: Yeah. So what reception perception is is just as a methodology for uh, tracking really how good of a route runner or receiver is. Kind of trying to put an extra layer to uh, a player's individual talent and also what they're asked to do on the field. So what I do is I go through and I chart uh, eight games for NFL players, six games for college players. Uh, kind of get a, a that's the where the data tends to normalize out for a full season scope, and uh, I look at. You know, how often they ran each route against what type of coverage they were most successful, or which routes do they get open on the most. Really lets you know where they win, what they do well, what they don't do well. And uh, kind of really my, my viewpoint of it is it helps kind of categorize, like, what, res- what a receiver actually is. Because it's so hard. To, they're all so different. You know, it's hard to compare, you know, a Calvin Johnson type to a Wes Welker type. I think Perception Perception helps do that a little bit.
0: Well, we're going to go to wide receivers, and I'm really excited to hear what you have to say because I I know you have a lot of special insight there. Uh, We're going to start at quarterback, though, and what we're going to do today, for those of you listening, we're going to go position by position, talking about players who are kind of on the fringe of being startable in, you know, 10 to 14 team leagues, and we're going to be comparing Matt's rankings to expert consensus rankings. Uh, I'll refer to that throughout the show as ECR, and basically that's just 140-plus experts all coming together with their rankings, and we figure out what the consensus is. So we have Tom Brady as the, the number one quarterback, even though someone has him all the way down at seven, and his average ranking this week is 2.2. Um, so at quarterback, we've got, uh, we've got a couple guys here on the fringe that are interesting. Uh, the first guy I want to ask about is Russell Wilson. We have him at ECR number 12. Uh, he's been really bad the whole season, but he got his knee brace off. He looked a lot better in this last game. He looked like Russell Wilson. How do you feel about him this week at New England?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think Russell's cooking again, and that's good to see because that offense right now is really constructed well to be the type of offense that, that can put up a lot of points, It can threaten you in a lot of different ways. We saw Jimmy Graham really bust out on Monday night. He's been great all year, which, you know, talk about things we don't expect in the preseason. I think that is probably one of the most unexpected uh, developments, really, of the entire year. Uh, but I think with, with Jimmy Graham out there, you know, they're going to be playing New England, so you know New England. Makes you chase them. Uh, they're they're absolutely an offense that you need to put up points against. And you know, New England's defense is is a solid unit, but I wouldn't say that it's it's something that I'm I'm afraid of. And I think they have some matchup advantages with uh, with Baldwin in the slot and uh, Jimmy Graham out there playing in the tight end position. So I really like the whole Seahawks offense right now for the second half of the season.
0: Behind Baldwin and Graham. Is there a wide receiver that you like for fantasy purposes? I mean, I know Tyler Lockhart, Lockett was explosive last year. Curse uh, has been getting on the field quite a bit more, uh, but he hasn't really impressed. So what do you think about these guys?
1: Yeah, so uh, Tyler Lockett was a big reception, perception favorite. I still believe he's a really good receiver. He saw him look pretty explosive on that Monday night uh, game last week. And, you know, that's a, that's a thing where, like, you have to be able to separate how good a player is versus what they're going to be able to do for fantasy because there's more to the equation for fantasy than just being good at football. Like it helps to be good at football, no doubt about it, but it's all about opportunity and usage and even though Tyler Lockett's healthy now whereas where he was looking pretty slow during the first half of the season when he had a PCL injury, at best he's a third option on a team that wants to involve its running backs too. So like you have to go into that situation every single week saying that he's mostly just a dark throat type of guy. Like, from a usage standpoint, there's really not much difference between a guy like Tyler Lockett and a guy like Brian Quick. Regardless of what you think of the talent differential, that usage is what really what really makes a difference.
0: Now, would you prefer him to someone like Tavon Austin?
1: Yeah, I'm just kind of out on Tavon on Austin right now. I mean, he's going to have big games occasionally because he... Uh, because he's a big play threat, and he's, he's super explosive in the open field, but they're, they're, like, impossible to predict. There's really almost no trend line or anything with where he has these big games. They just crop up every now and again, but he's got a super low floor, too. He was He's losing snaps right now anyways, despite the fact that the Rams gave him a big, fat contract. Brian Quick played over him last week when they came out of the bye, and I think that might have been an adjustment sort of situation. So, yeah, I mean, I guess if you're going to make a dart throw, I would probably prefer Lockett just because he plays in a better offense almost purely because of that.
0: Now, I know everyone's going to be a little annoyed with me for talking about this player again because I talk about him every show, but he's just on fire right now. Marcus Mariota, we have number nine ECR face Green Bay. Over the last five weeks, he's been the second best fantasy player in terms of points scored in the NFL, uh, only behind Tom Brady. It's absolutely ridiculous what he is doing. Do you like him this week or is, uh, is it bound to turn around eventually?
1: I mean, you would think that eventually there might be some, you know, regression in his future because he's been just so wildly effective and efficient in the red zone. I mean, he's been one of the best, if not the best red zone quarterback since he entered the league last year. So you'd think that eventually that might come back to, to, you know, to to maybe a normal level unless he's just going to be that money in the scoring area for the rest of his career, which is certainly possible. But this week against the Packers, you know, they have a ton of cornerback injuries, uh, Sam Shields and... Uh, their other starting quarterback, Demaryius Randall, are, are on IR currently. Uh, they, they've been out for a long time. Green Bay does give it up to wide receivers. And I think especially with Green Bay hopefully – uh, and I say that hopefully, uh, having Randall Cobb and Ty Montgomery back, they go back to that more quick strike passing attack and put up a ton of points. That's going to force Tennessee to have to get off the game script of just pounding the ball. And hopefully I, that it makes more opportunities for Marcus Mariota. So I think right now he's just, like you said, he's been on fire. I think the matchup is fine. I think the game script should be in, in the passing game's favor. So I, I like Mariota again this week.
0: Now, how do you feel about Dak Prescott and Eli Manning? Uh, we have them both just outside startable. Now, if you're in a deeper league, they're uh, they're definitely startable. But, um, you know, if, if you don't have a better option, I, I guess you have to play these guys. But do either of them have good matchups this week? Pittsburgh's been up and down. And then Cincinnati, which is who uh, Eli Manning's playing. I'm not really sure what to think about them. They were supposed to be a, a very good defense, and they haven't necessarily.
1: Right. If you, if you look at it's just Dak Prescott alone – I, I kind of like Dak every week just because he's a threat for a rushing touchdown every single week. He certainly has that it, that ability to boost his floor up with the rushing even if he's not been a guy that's going to take off, you know, 10, 12 times per game or anything like that or even really threaten that sort of carry total. Dallas really moves the ball well. They get into scoring position because they have such great clarity on offense as, as a run heavy team, the most run heavy team in the NFL. And I've I, I, I will definitely say like I just I, I like Dak Prescott every week especially with Pittsburgh playing at home, Dallas is going to have to put up points and I think Dak Prescott's going to be a part of that. Uh, and on Eli Manning's side, you know, I I like I like Eli this week. I I don't know if I have like a great argument for why I like Eli this week, but uh, Cincinnati gives up the third most fantasy points to quarterbacks over the last 4 weeks. And that's not normally analysis that i love to default back on. But I, I, I think that, they're like you said, their defense has not been as good as we expected. Uh, they, they've given it up to several passing games. They they dueled Washington down to a tie in London, and, and they moved the ball pretty well through the air. So I, I like Eli Manning this week. I think Odell has, has started to turn it on, and he's an explosive threat. And I don't really think they have anybody right now in the secondary to cover him. I, I kind of like Eli this week.
0: I just can't believe how good Dak Prescott's been this year. I keep waiting for him to take a step backwards the way Carson Wentz has, but man, he's just doing it. I don't know if it's because his offensive line is substantially better than what Philadelphia is running out there, um, or if it's because he has Ezekiel Elliott to to keep people, you know, uh, to keep the defenses honest, but he is doing a very good job, and he's startable virtually every week. I, I can't believe I'm saying that, but he's very good.
1: Right, yeah. It's been surprising, but it's fun to watch, man. I, I hope they keep starting Dak Prescott. I know that's a different uh, subject, but I, I'm definitely in favor of keeping him in there on the
0: Let's jump over to the running back position. There's a lot of really interesting backfield situations this week. The first one I want to start with is the Eagles back, backfield, where Doug Peterson came out and said Darren Sproles is going to get uh, his, the primary share of the carries, which is just crazy because he's not that type of running back. But um, do you believe this?
1: I mean, I think we have to believe it, right? Like, this is what they continued to do. Ryan Matthews didn't play a ton of snaps. He hasn't – it's been a while since he's even played double-digit snaps. He continues to get red zone touchdowns. It's, it's funny, like, uh, what, what, what do you do with that? I mean, I guess you can throw Matthews out in the hope that he gets a red zone touchdown every week. But, yeah, I mean, I think Doug Peterson likes what Darren Sproles brings to the table, but – this offense is kind of just a, other than Jordan Matthews, is kind of a stay away from me as an entirety right now. Like, I think Darren Sproles is a fine play if, if you have to do it, but, but to me, especially because the matchup is right. Like, against Atlanta, they give up a ton of production to running backs through the air. Uh, they've given up 34 catches over the last four weeks alone. They're a team that you can target that way. Or excuse me. They've given up 34 targets to running backs over the last four weeks alone. So they're a team that that, that teams like to pick on the Falcons with those pass-catching running backs. You think that'd be Darren Sproles, uh, his his way. And and Atlanta's scored a ton of points. They'll probably have to be in pass-first situations a lot. Carson Wentz doesn't have a lot of time to throw with with uh, with with his right tackle suspended, Lane Johnson for the for a long period of time and. You know, yeah, now as, now as I'm sitting here talking about it, I actually feel like Darren Sproles is, is a pretty pretty good play. So I, I think this week, if you have him, he's definitely worth a start given the matchup and given the, the game situation Philadelphia would find themselves in. But but he's not like a big a threat for maybe a massive game, but I think the floor is there.
0: Yeah, I can definitely see that. ECR has him at number 19 this week, which means he's startable in virtually every league unless you're in one of these tiny leagues. Um, but... He's just the type of player that I don't really feel comfortable starting any week. If you look at his games, uh, you know, he's had several games with 2, 4, six, uh, 3 points uh, sprinkled in there. And every once in a while, he has a, a fairly big one, you know, with, with 18. Now, he's getting the carries now, but I just feel like this is kind of like the Jacksonville situation where you don't want to play anyone. With that being said, uh, they do have a good matchup this week against Atlanta. So, yeah, I'm definitely starting Sproles. Now, I wouldn't go spend a bunch of fab on him. It's probably too late for that anyway, but uh, I, I'm just not very excited about him for the rest of the season. All right, let's talk about this Seahawks backfield situation. It was, it was just crazy. They hardly ran the ball, and I, I guess I can understand that because their offensive line is just so, so bad. Um, but Christine Michael, man, his stock is plummeting. CJ Proseis, uh started getting a lot, a lot of snaps, but didn't really get any touches. What, what's going to happen this week there?
1: Yeah, well, I think that we talked about the Seahawks' offense just a little bit ago, and I think the thing to to remember with them is they're not that team right now You know, where, where they had Marshawn Lynch and they wanted to be a run-first team. They've really been more of a pass-first team this year, even though their quarterback play hasn't always been there. With that being said, I know they, of course, still always want to involve a running back, but you're right. It's been C.J. Proseis. Last week he played 57% of the snaps to Kristen Michaels, 38%. That tide has started to turn. Because they just don't have the offensive line to, to run the ball effectively right now, like on a 20-carry game script, unless they face San Francisco like they did a, 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 to start the season where Kristen Michael had a massive game. I mean, Michael has definitely revived his career. It's been a great story, but I think... They need something else right now, and I think ProSize they're trying to, to find ways to get him involved. I probably, don't, I probably don't want to play either of these guys, uh, even though it should be a game where ProSize is on the field a ton again when they have to go pass heavy against New England. So, But for now, I think it's more of like I want to have ProSize on my bench in, in case he does catch fire because I think he's an incredibly talented running back. But I probably don't want to use either of these guys unless I'm going to pitch this week.
0: I feel the same way. I, I think all three of them, uh, all three of the running backs there in Seattle, could break out and end up having a, a real nice rest of the season. But I'm not really confident enough in any of them to start any given week until one of them does take that uh, that role. Uh, does take that role over. Now we talked about Jacksonville just a little bit, but Chris Ivory, he he finally had a good game. Is this just a one week fluke, or do you expect to continue into into week ten?
1: You know, I I don't I don't know. Like I haven't really. I haven't really decided what I thought, like what I think the cause was for the eruption from the Jacksonville running backs last week. I think the Chiefs have some injuries in the front seven. They they don't, their linebackers aren't great going lateral, especially, you know, Derek Johnson's still a really good player, but he's not the same explosive sideline to sideline guy that he used to be. Uh, the, the, the Texans can, can be beat on the ground with J, without JJ Watt. They, uh, they, they've definitely started to show some cracks in their run defense. Uh, so I think they're, they're a unit you can attack on the ground. But I also am not really confident that you know Chris Ivory or, or TJ Yeldon, who's going to be the lead dog week in and week out, so it's a it's a total dice roll. I, I think if you have Chris Ivory, he might be a, a solid play again this week. You know that we know that they're at least what they said publicly. The big reason for the offensive coordinator switch was we need to get the running game more involved. Even though I think they have much bigger problems under center right now. Uh, so I, I think I think these guys are probably worth a play, but and probably, probably Chris Ivory over TJ Yeldon. But at the same time, it's a total dice roll, even in a good spot this week.
0: Now over in Washington, which is just another putrid situation, Jay Gruden came out and told reporters Rob Kelly's going to remain the team's starting running back. Uh, former starter Matt Jones is going to need to earn his way back into the role, which basically means Rob Kelly's going to he's going to hang on to the job the rest of the season because Matt Jones is not winning that job back. He fumbles so much and he's just not very efficient. But anyway, they go up against Minnesota this week. So even with the coach saying that that Kelly's going to have uh, most of the carries, are you starting him against Minnesota?
1: Probably not. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, I don't really think. I think Rob Kelly, like you know, I did, I did a hit on NFL Network about this a couple of weeks ago, and I know everybody's like crazy about Rob Kelly right now. But he had 87 rushing yards and over 20 carries uh, against a bad Bengals rushing defense. Like, I don't think he set the world on fire. He's a solid player. I think he's a good running back, but I also don't think that they're just going to hand him the feature job. And, like, even if you just kind of dig in, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, but if you just dig into what Jay Gruden said, like, Matt Jones is going to have to earn the job back, I think they want to keep that carrot in front of Jones, you know? Get him working harder, not fumbling as much, because, I mean, they obviously like the guy. You know, they didn't they didn't even attempt to really bring in a veteran free agent. They let Alfred Morris walk out and pretty much gift-wrapped the job to, to, to Matt Jones. The problem is he can't seem to hang on to that or the football. So, I mean... They're going to they're gonna want Matt Jones to win this job back, I think, because they like him. They drafted him in the third round. They hyped him up a ton. Uh, I think they want him to win the job back. I don't know if he will, but I think that just means that, you know, uh, the, the Rob Kelly's not going to be a, a true workhorse back. And let's not forget, too, they have Chris Thompson back there, who played more snaps than him in a pass-first game script against the Bengals in, in London last we saw this team. So I, I am not confident about any of, of these running backs. I don't think that there's a lot of clarity there.
0: Now, there's been some rumors that Doug Martin is going to come back. Uh, how much is he going to play this week, or is Peyton Barber a solid start?
1: Uh, like, this is going to be a situation, I feel like, unless we get glowing practice reports from uh, the, the, the Bucks about Doug Martin the rest of the way this week that I think that it's going to be a situation where we don't really know what the outcome is going to be. I mean, it has been such a long absence for Doug Martin and and they're down to like their fourth and fifth string running back right now. I mean, it's crazy what's gone on. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty awful, but it's crazy what's gone on there uh, for, for the, uh, for the, for the bucks at the running back position. And, you know, it's not a good spot this week. The bears actually have a pretty solid run defense. Uh, They, they've been one of the better run defenses over the last month uh, and, you know, I just—it's tough. If Peyton Barber is the starter and Doug Martin doesn't play, I think you can roll Barber out there because he'll be—you know—the Bucks are at home. This game shouldn't get away from them. It should be an opportunity. Unlike against the Falcons on Thursday night, where they can give Peyton Barber a pretty good amount of work. So if he's if, if that's really the only situation that I think I'd roll into it with any confidence, is if Doug Martin sits, then I think Barber is worth a start. But if both guys are playing. I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to imagine Martin comes off this long stretch of absence and, and gets feature back workload right away, but that's certainly in the, in the range of outcomes.
0: Matt, it is so ugly. This is why you draft eight or nine running backs in the preseason, because you know this kind of thing is going to happen. In some weeks, you're going to have to roll out someone like Peyton Barber or Matt Asiata, and you never want to do that. So uh, this is why in the preseason you draft a bunch of running backs, and whenever you have a chance, even if you think you have depth at running back, pick up a guy, pick up a guy who's, uh, who's getting plenty of carries. Uh, You know, even if you have five starting running backs and JGI is out there, should have picked him up. Um, There's a lot of people who I've seen make this mistake where they think they have depth. I've done it several times. They think they have depth so they don't make a move for a running back or, uh, you know, they, they go ahead and trade away one of their running backs to upgrade somewhere else. It always bites you. There's so many injuries, right?
1: Yeah. And and just to supplement that as well, like, if you and like, I, I draft a lot of zero RB teams. I draft wide receiver heavy teams, and then I cycle these backup running backs, you know, in and off and on my roster. And you know, what your hope is is that you land a Spencer Ware, you land a Jai, and, and that happens. I mean, it happens all the time. Look at all these guys, like I mean, Isaiah Crowell, Garrett Blunt. These players have been fantasy viable pretty much for the the long stretch of the season because this just happens with these running backs. And now. With injury setting in, I mean, CJ Procyce is now on the radar, you know, all these backup running backs that we're talking about. So, for the stretch run, what I think that means is once the bye weeks start fading away, you want to start dropping your depth because it's just not as needed and start stashing these backup running backs. You know, even if it's a Alfred Blue type like if Lamar Miller suffers an injury you know in week 15 you're looking at Alfred Blue about to get 20 carries I mean that's a really gross example but Alfred Blue about to get 20 carries that's completely viable I mean Tim freaking Hightower took people to to fantasy championships last year on basically volume and opportunity
0: alone and we know that's going to happen for somebody else this this year too you're exactly right that is a, a perfect example and I'm glad you brought that up Before we move on to wide receiver, I want to talk about this mess in the Vikings' backfield. Jerick McKinnon should play. Now, they picked up Ronnie Hillman, who got some carries, which is just kind of crazy to me. And Matt Asiata, we know who he is, and he's not really fantasy relevant. Are you considering starting any of these guys this week?
1: No, not really. I mean, Washington's not a good run defense. They've been one of the, the worst... In the NFL, pretty much all year, they, just, they they have started to get a little bit better during the stretch of the of the end of this or the midpoint of the season. But at the same time, they've been run on pretty much all season. It's a it's a solid matchup, but. You know, this, this Vikings offense is another one outside of Stefan Diggs and, and Kyle Rudolph, really, that I don't really want any, any piece of it. The offensive line is, is terrible. They can't pass protect. They haven't been able to run block all year. I mean, Adrian Peterson wasn't even doing well when he was briefly starting at the beginning of the year. So, and, and now that, that it's not, if it was a situation where Jarek McKinnon was playing well, he was healthy, and he was getting, you know, 15 to 20 touches a game then I think I would be interested. But because it seems like they they want to split it three ways, and and Ronnie Hillman, you mentioned, was the most productive back last week, it's a complete and total stay away for right now. Like, I don't want to drop Jerick McKinnon because I think he's really talented, and I I definitely think, like, he could at some point run away with the job. But I wonder, honestly, too, and this is a a bit off track, but – you know Adrian Peterson likely, probably not going to be back for the entirety of this or for for the whole season. But I do wonder if the Vikings start to thinking, you know, because you can bring a player back from IR now. I, I wonder if he does make an appearance at the end of the season because if McKinnon had run away with this backfield, I think it would have been curtains on Peterson for this year and probably for the entirety of his Vikings career. But because that hasn't happened yet, I wonder. It's just something to keep in the back of your mind.
0: I think he's gearing up. The only problem is. It doesn't really matter if he comes back because their offensive line is so bad. I mean, you talked about how talented Jared McKinnon is. If Jared McKinnon was behind a mediocre offensive line, I think he'd be on the verge of being uh, uh, an RB1. He is very, very good, but this offensive line is that bad. It's one of the bottom three in the NFL, and nobody, not Jared McKinnon, not Adrian Peterson can really do anything behind uh, this offensive line. So even if AP does come back, I'm not too excited about it. All right, moving over to wide receiver. I want to talk about these two wide receivers behind Fitzgerald at Arizona. You've got J.J. Nelson, who had two, two back-to-back uh, very good games. And then John Brown, who's got a lot of targets, a couple games. And besides that, has kind of just been blah. So uh, which of these guys do you prefer this week? Or are you starting both of them?
1: Yeah, I, I think both of them are actually worth throwing out there. Um, uh, just because I think they're the starters now. You know, and the... Rosario's pretty much said, like, J.J. Nelson is a starter now. Somebody's going to have to take the job from him. I mean, I, it's not going to be Michael Floyd. He's, he's played so poorly this year. His 44% catch rate is 84th of 87 receivers that have seen 30, 30 more targets this year. He's been pretty much ineffective, and John Brown passed him up. Like now looks like J.J. Nelson's passed him up. So I think those are the two guys that are going to be out there in the three-wide receiver set with Larry Fitzgerald. I think John Brown's a great player. Uh, the the targets agree. are – yeah. I, I think he's fantastic, and – you know, the matchup is right this week against San Francisco. They get pretty well thumped through the air. Their they're, they're 15 passing touchdowns to wide receivers, I think, is the most in the NFL. So you would think that, that these guys have a shot to uh, produce. But I, but I also don't think that it's a situation like last year where there's the potential for both of them. And Larry Fitzgerald to all go off in one week or even be usable. So somebody's going to get left out in the cold. That's the problem. And I, it's hard to tell you right now who I think that player is going to be. But I, I think that both of them are worth starts because, you know, this this defense in San Francisco is, is just so bad, especially with the game being in Arizona this week. Uh, But at the same time, David Johnson could easily just crush them for 100 rushing yards, and then, you know, these guys go pretty quiet. So they're they're risky plays, but ones that are definitely worth throwing out there.
0: With how bad San Francisco is, I'd be shocked if they hold David Johnson under, like, 600 yards. They're so bad.
1: (laughs) Right, yeah. So you know that that just means that he's going to have, like, 50 rushing yards.
0: You're exactly right. (laughs) (laughs) But David Johnson, he'll probably have, like, 40 rushing yards and 120 receiving yards. You just can't stop the guy. He's phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, I think he's pretty much been the, the fantasy MVP this year, if, if he
1: had to give it, or the, or the best fantasy player this year. Like, he's really the only one of those, uh, I mean, other than Ezekiel Elliott, he's really the, one of the only, like, locked-in every week studs at the running back position.
0: I'm right with you with John Brown and J.J. Nelson. I like John Brown a lot for the rest of the season. People are too low on him right now, and he's a guy that I wouldn't mind buying. I'm not going to overspend on him. He's probably about wide receiver 25 for me, and he's probably being valued around wide receiver 30. This week he's right there, about wide receiver 30 in ECR. J.J. Nelson's the same, wide receiver 32 uh, in expert consensus rankings. And, you know, I, I understand that one of these guys is probably going to get left out this week, but they have a better chance of producing than the guys behind them in ECR, like uh, like a Cole Beasley or a Deshaun Jackson, Muhammad Sanu. I would so much rather start either of these guys on the Cardinals uh, than one of those players. So yeah, I think they're definitely startable this week. Now, some guys that I'm not sh- so sure about, Corey Coleman, who's going at Baltimore. Baltimore's defense is really improving. Coleman had two really good weeks, but last week he wasn't very impressive. And then Rashard Matthews, who has you know, kind of been ramping up his game to what we expected in the preseason, at least most people. Um, but I'm just not really sure that's going to be able to keep up. You talked about how horrible that, that Packers secondary is with all the injuries, but Are you starting these two players, Rashard Matthews and Corey Coleman, this week?
1: So Corey Coleman, I think, is interesting because the the question really becomes who are the Ravens going to dictate Jimmy Smith covers? Is he going to shadow Terrell Pryor around the field or is is he going to shadow Corey Coleman around the field? Because I think whoever is not that player I think is going to be in a really good spot because the rest of Baltimore's cornerbacks are are not even close to comparable to Jimmy Smith's level of, of play. So... I think, I think Coleman is worth a start. I also think this game is going to be kind of sneaky high scoring. I, I know that sounds crazy, but I'm, I'm interested to watch this, this Thursday night game because I like Terrence West, and, and I also think that there's certainly uh, that there's certainly a, a lot of potential there for this game to be interesting. So I think Corey Coleman is worth throwing out there on the, on the chance that Terrell Pryor, who's been incredible this year, is the one that draws Jimmy Smith's shadow coverage. Uh, now on the other end with Rashard Matthews, it's crazy that over that he is, his five passing touchdowns have all come, or five receiving touchdowns have all come from in the red zone. He's got all five of his red zone targets the last few weeks four or five touchdowns. That would scream like massive regression. You know that that's going to stop at some point, especially because he hasn't even topped seventy receiving yards yet this this season. But. I think because his trending his, his, his playing time is on an upward trajectory, that kind of offsets those concerns. He's played 88 and 89% of the snaps the last few weeks and the team high last week. So I, I think that Rashard Matthews is definitely worth throwing out again this week. It seems like the, the Titans are finally kind of getting their better receivers involved uh, with Kendall Wright playing more and uh, Rashard Matthews also leading the team in snaps.
0: The Ravens haven't said anything, and they're not going to say anything, but I can almost assure you, Jimmy Smith is going to be covering Terrell Pryor because that's the type of wide receiver that they tend to put him on. He's a big, physical wide receiver, and the best way to slow him down is to get right up in his face. And Corey Coleman, uh, you you can't you can do that to him, but not quite to the extent of someone like Terrell Pryor, uh, who really relies on being able to get going uh, and get an open field and, and make a play. Um, I just. Uh, I, I just think Corey Coleman is due for a big week this week, and, and no one's really talking about him because he's going up against the Ravens' defense. But uh, I, I'm with you. I actually think this is going to be a high-scoring game. Uh, Cleveland has has had their fair share of, of high-scoring games where they're trying to make comebacks, and, and the other team is trying to, uh, you know, extend their lead. I think it's going to happen this week. All right, and then we've got Jamison Crowder who's going at Minnesota. And I know Jamison Crowder's been very reliable, but, you know, I would... I would stay away from virtually everyone at wide receiver, except your normal wide receiver one, but Jameson Crowder is not that. So I, I'm not playing him this week. ECR has him at 36, which is, you know, it's startable in a lot of leagues with flex, but uh, I, I'm not touching him. What about you?
1: Yeah, I think he's a guy that you probably want to decide against playing. You want to break ties in favor of putting somebody else in the in the lineup over him. I, I, I do think that he offers, potentially offers a solid floor, He's had 100 yards in his last two games. Uh, He's trending up as a player. He's been the most productive receiver on on Washington, which is kind of a surprise given the pedigree of Deshaun Jackson and and Pierre Garçon. But I think he's a big part of their future, Jameson Crowder, that is. So I I don't think he'll kill you if you throw him out there because I think he's a threat to lead the team in targets alongside Jordan Reed every single week uh, with the the way things are trending up for him. But, yeah, I'm with you that I probably would want to break ties in favor of somebody
0: else. Now, Matt, there's two wide receivers that I'm particularly excited about this week. We've got Will Fuller, a big play receiver. He's going at Jacksonville, and Jacksonville's pass defense has been pretty good, but it's mostly because Jalen Ramsey has just been shutting down the wide receiver one. So DeAndre Hopkins, I'm sorry, but he's going to have another bad week. And I think Will Fuller has one of his classic big old weeks here. And the other guy, Sammy Coates, same kind of thing. He's He's a home run hitter. And I know that Ben Roethlisberger was really bad last week, but he is on the road occasionally. He's at home this week, face Dallas. I think Sammy Coates hauls in another big passer or two, and I really like Will Fuller and Sammy Coates this week.
1: Yeah, those those are pretty solid calls. Uh, Will Fuller has been super quiet since an injury uh, took him out of a few games, and then he left the, the game against the Broncos with that same injury. So he's been quiet lately. I think you're, you know, it's, it's always. Weird to say like a guy is due without any real reason, but I, I'm with you. Like I almost do think he's due for a big game like that. He's still getting a pretty decent amount of targets down the field, but I, I hope if he's healthy, I'm with you that I think he could be like that weak winning sort of pick there. Uh, and Jalen Ramsey, absolute total stud. If he's shadowing around DeAndre Hopkins, it's going to be a struggle again for Hopkins. I agree with you there. And, and, and then yeah, I, it's tough because Sammy Coates is is so unreliable as a player and just as a fantasy asset. But with Pittsburgh being at home with this probably being a a generally high scoring game, if they get on their script early and force Dallas, you know, to to chase them, I think this is a game where you can chase uh, Sammy Coates. ceiling.
0: Matt, let's move on over to tight end. I want to talk about Jason Witten. Jason Witten was, he was phenomenal this week. And we were just talking about this game script that it's probably going to be a high scoring affair. Do you think Dak Prescott's going to continue to throw to him or was it last week just a good matchup
1: for him? Well, last week it was against Cleveland. So, I mean, <laughs> that's all you really need to know. They've, <laughs> yes. They've just, they've just been thumped by opposing tight ends. I mean, they give up the most yards per game in position by far. Uh, they give up a ton of touchdowns too. So, by the way, I think Dennis Pitta makes a solid play. Hopefully he can finally get in the end zone this week uh, against the Browns on Thursday night. But for Jason Witten... You know he's he's tough to trust because he's like a thousand years old. He doesn't look great out there uh, is, in terms of his speed or anything, but he just continues to get open. He finds the soft spots. Like I think Dak Prescott, what's been so impressive about him is that he's a, he's become a quarterback right now that doesn't force it to one guy. And for fantasy, we hate that because Des Bryant like never going to get enough targets. But listen, it's a good thing for for NFL teams overall to, to be able to have options. So I think that this could be a week where you know, where, where Jason Witten does have a solid game, but nothing really points to that direction that I feel super confident playing him over, over a ton of other guys, especially with more players back off bye weeks this week. But I think if, if you have him, he's, he's worth throwing out there again.
0: Now, both Gary Barnage and Kobe Flaner, who are traditionally top 10 wide receivers, ECR has them dropped way down this week. Barnage at number 16 ECR and Kobe Flaner at number 17. Now, I get it. They have kind of tough matchups at Baltimore for Barnage. Face Denver for Fleener. Would you recommend starting either of these guys? Or are you with the expert consensus and fading them both?
1: Yeah, I mean for Barnage it's tough because he's had some solid games. He just hasn't gotten into the end zone yet this season. I think he's I think he's a floor play. I, I wouldn't I don't hate throwing him out there, but like you mentioned, Baltimore's really good against tight ends. Uh overall the only real weakness on their defense is is that other cornerback opposite Jimmy Smith. So I mean, I, I'm not, like, super excited about Barnage. I don't hate throwing him out there. And then on the other end of the spectrum, uh, with Kobe Fleener, I mean, it's pretty easy to see why people are down on him. He, his playing time is, is completely eroding. He's played less than 40% of the snaps the last two weeks, and that coincides with Josh Hill being back and being a guy who's playing over 80% of the snaps the last week. So, I, I don't know how you trust Kobe Fleener. I mean, he's still going to get targets when he is on the field, but... Yeah, man it's it's a tough it's a tough road right now. I would I would not want to play Fleener if I could help it.
0: That makes me sad because he's he's on one of my teams where I really need a win this week. So <laughs> hopefully they change their mind. But I'm not feeling good about it. One guy I am feeling really good about is Martellus Bennett. Look, he's all the way down at number 18. He's still a top four scoring tight end this season, and he's down at 18 against the Seattle Seahawks team. That gives up a lot of fantasy points to tight ends. Are, are you with me? Are you starting Martellus Bennett, or am I crazy here this week?
1: Well, I don't think it's crazy to ever suggest starting one of the players from the, one of the, be- the probably the best offense in the NFL. Uh, Bennett's been kind of on a downward trajectory since that three touchdown game against Cleveland when when Gronkowski and Brady first got back. Uh, but you know, I don't hate throwing him out there because he's a threat for a touchdown every week. He's going to be on the field a ton. He was also a little bit banged up going into their bye week, so hopefully he's healthier, too. Yeah, no, I'm with you. If, if, if to the tight ends, Look, the tight end position is such a disaster. Like You're you're legitimately talking about, do I stream a guy like Lance Kendricks this week or something oh, like that? And it's, I mean, well, that's the way we're at, though, with, with tight ends. <laughs> it's gross, but here we are. Uh, I, I think that, Ben, it's a fine play if, if you've been holding on. I, I you know, so like you mentioned, Seattle can be beat in the middle of the field. We just saw Robert Woods have 160 yards against them on Monday night, and a lot of those same players that, that were in zone coverage against him are the same players that will try, be trying to stop them.
0: All right, Matt, let's close this out. we we'll talk about some streaming defenses. We've got some good ones this week. We talked about it last show. This is probably the best week for streaming defenses in the NFL. Um, a couple, A couple that really stand out to me. Green Bay at Tennessee. San Diego faced Miami, and then Washington faced Minnesota, who's really been struggling, like we said, because of that offensive line. Which of these do you like, or is there another streaming defense that really stands out to you?
1: Yeah, I like the Jets, and they were a team that were added a lot last week. And I think if you did, then you can roll them right back out again with Case Keenum traveling to uh, to New York. So I think they're probably my preferred pick. Again, pr- again, probably got added a lot last week. But you mentioned Washington. I think they're another solid team. Like They have talented players in the front seven. Uh, and I think that they will be able to get over uh, against that, wa- that offensive line in Minnesota. And I also think that uh, Kirk Cousins – I think he's going to move the ball better than people expect against Minnesota. They might be able to get a turnover off him. But at the same time, like, this, this Vikings defense, they needed – in order for the Vikings to succeed with with the current construction of their team, with how the offense has just gone in the tank, they needed their, they need their defense to be, you know, the 2015 Broncos. And while they look like that early in the season, they have started to slip a little bit. I mean, Jordan Howard and the Bears got, really got over uh, on them on a, in a primetime game in week eight. So I, I think that this is a situation where you have to watch if that Vikings defense is as good as their season-to-date numbers going forward. And I, I think that it's going to be a situation where the, the, the Redskins can tee off against uh, against the, the, the Vikings offense. So I like them as a solid streaker too.
0: Now there's one other defense I want to talk about. I already talked about them on the Tuesday show that came out, but I'm going to mention them for this show in case uh, you guys weren't listening to the waiver Wire episode I really like the Chicago Bears defense this week, and I know that sounds kind of crazy. ECR even has them all the way down at number 25 this week, which I don't understand because we know Jameis Winston. Look, he's been good. I keep talking him up. I like his schedule the rest of the season, but he's still a turnover machine. The Bears have three straight pretty solid defense weeks, and they're coming off a bye. I think this is a great matchup for the Chicago Bears, and if you're in a desperate situation needing a defense, I think you could do a lot worse than them.
1: And that does seem pretty low ranking-wise. I mean, it's funny. I, I'm sure I'm probably part of that, but I'll tell you. It's funny to say this on a rankings podcast, but my rankings are, like, by the, the far the thing I pay the least attention to uh, in the weekly grind of doing everything. That sounds weird. Long story. Whatever. But anyways, uh, like, Chicago definitely should be ranked higher than that. And I'm, I'm, I'm with you that if – they're definitely one of the teams probably out there on a ton of waiver wires that you might be able to get a solid week from. People obsess too much about like how many points are they going to allow. And I think Mike Evans, Jameis Winston can move the ball against Chicago. But we talked, we talked about their front seven, and it's really all about turnovers and sacks. And Jameis Winston uh, has been prone to giving up turnovers and sacks this year. So I'm with you. That's a really good call.
0: All right, Matt. Well, that's all the questions we have for you this week. Really appreciate you coming on the ranking Show. Fun talking to you, and uh, hopefully our rankings work out for us.
1: Absolutely, everybody. You know, Good good luck out there this week. It's a, it's an interesting slate of games this week, so uh, a lot of close, tight, competitive ones too, so we'll, we'll see what happens.
0: For those of you listening, we've got one more show coming up this week, and it'll air for your Friday morning commute. We'll have Justin McMahon of Daily Fantasy Insider on, who's won over a quarter million dollars in the last 18 months playing DFS. We'll be helping you build your DFS lineups for the week. Thanks for listening and enjoy your football.
1: I just